When I was a boy, little older than you, I would lay awake in my royal bedchamber, high up in the citadel, long after the torches had burnt their last before dawn. I would listen to the wind and the rain howl and lash against the stone walls. I felt safe and warm under the heavy furs of my bed, knowing Agador had watched over me into the night. Sometimes I thought I heard voices on the wind, people calling out. Mother and father found me more than once wandering the citadel in my nightclothes, looking for the poor lost souls seeking shelter. But they were never there. And now I am older, perhaps not wiser, but definitely older. I still find myself listening to those voices on the wind. Because the ruler of a planet must always listen. He must listen to his people. He must listen to his high priest and his chancellor. Above all, he must listen to his heart and trust that it will guide him to do the right thing. Once, not so very long ago in the history of Peladon, there came a time when many lost souls sought sanctuary on our planet. I was asked for help, and I gave it willingly. Some said I should not have opened our borders. Learned people, people who thought they knew better than the young king of a primitive planet populated by backward miners. But these were people ruled by their head, not by their heart. Tonight, I'm going to tell you the story of the prisoner of Peladon, and of the time when a friend and protector returned to our planet, a man called the Doctor. Peladon had seen a time of great change. It had been five years since our planet was accepted into the Galactic Federation, and we had flourished. Our world was no longer regarded as a backwater rock, but as a strong and credible voice in the chaotic arena of the Federation Council. It had been a long struggle, and we had given much of ourselves as a people. But I still passionately believe to this day that we had gained much more. There had been loss, terrible loss. In my darkest moments I still see Hepesh's face as he lay. But that is a story for another time. Or perhaps some things are best left in the past. One thing you will come to learn is that nothing is constant. For years I had known nothing but the Citadel, living an ordered, predestined life of privilege. But when the Federation came to Peladon, it brought with it a whole universe. The endless flux of shifting alliances within the Federation worlds never ceased to amaze me. It was this flux that brought the Martian refugees to our planet. Refugees fleeing a violent and terrible military uprising on their home world. Stay away! 
Many still called the Martians ice warriors, a xenophobic throwback to a violent heritage, a heritage some sort to resurrect. But I called them people, and these people needed help and they needed a haven. I was happy to bestow both, despite threats from the new Martian regime. Little did I know that this act of benevolence would set in motion a chain of events that once more visited death and deceit on the peoples of Peladon. A chain of events that began one morning in the throne room. Your Majesty, we require more medical supplies. Slavian fever has broken out in the camp. We are doing all we can, Varnak. I have this very morning sent a request to the Federation Council to route more food packs and medicine to Peladon as a matter of urgency. Your Majesty, people, children are dying. I know, my friend, I know. And as a friend, I speak to you now. You will have those medical supplies, but you know as well as I that bureaucracy is the enemy of compassion. Wise words to an old man. Frequently, yours are the wiser words. King Peladon is doing all he can. Piped up a quivering figure next to the Martian Varnak, its six arms twitching nervously. I was pleased that my old friend and confidant Alpha Centauri was with us at this difficult time. The hexapod, although prone to, shall we say, mild hysteria, had been instrumental in granting Peladon's petition to join the Galactic Federation, and we had formed a close bond in the years since. In fact, it was during close counsel with Centauri that I made the final decision to grant the refugees safe haven on Peladon. Varnak is not suggesting otherwise, I reassured Centauri, who blinked its one watery eye. But as the spokesperson for the refugees, he is performing his role as you are yours, as a Federation delegate. I walked over to a window and gazed out at the towers that rose high above the sheer walls of the citadel, my family's home for so very long. But now Peladon had become a temporary home to many more. Dotted across the grey-green plains that sloped away from the foot of Mount Megeshra were the white flecks of tents and hastily constructed shelters that now served as home to hundreds of Martians. Smoke from cooking fires curled lazily into the unusually bright morning air. I sighed as Varnak stepped up beside me. I admire you and your people, I told him. Fierce, proud, resilient. It is not your admiration we seek, your majesty. Nevertheless, I give it. Who would have thought that Pels and Martian could hold such common ground? What is a spacecraft? Where? I, I cannot... There! It is of Martian origin. Alpha Centauri shuffled forward urgently, shrieking, This could be an attack, a reprisal against Peladon for harboring refugees. I think not. More refugees? Undoubtedly, and they are in trouble. The vessel is heading directly for the citadel. Alpha Centauri squeaked, Your Majesty, we must leave! I fixed Centauri with a firm gaze. My place is here, always. Your Majesty, take cover! The ship struck the East Tower, but the damage seemed minimal. We didn't care. The three of us watched, helpless, as the Martian vessel blasted across the sky, a plume of black smoke marking its progress. The ship's engines shrieked like some wild animal as they laboured to carry it safely over the ragtag collection of crude dwellings on the plain below. And then it was gone, plunging just behind the tree line of the great forest that was once home to many Agador. I felt Centauri jump next to me as the report of the ship's impact reached us. We must mount an expedition to the crash site. There may be survivors. I will accompany you, Varnak. I can help. That may not be wise, Your Majesty. I agree. Piped up Centauri, skin flushing a concerned pink. It will be dangerous. 
I will have the protection of my champion Grun the Faithful and my honor guard at all times. Perhaps it would be best if you remained here. Centauri considered for a moment. Perhaps that would be sensible, it said almost gratefully. I have decided to remain here. With a nod to each other, Varnak and I strode purposefully from the throne room. Centauri left dithering behind us. When we reached the edge of the forest, we found chaos. Martians and Pels rushed backwards and forwards. Confused shouts echoed from within the forest. Varnak immediately took charge, calming the situation, as figures emerged from the trees supporting casualties from the crash. My guards sprinted into action to help, Grun lumbering among them to add his strength to the rescue effort. Not for the first time as a king, I was transparent. Figures flashed urgently back and forth before me as if they didn't see me. For a few seconds I felt helpless. Kings were not expected to get their hands dirty or bloody. I found myself wandering aimlessly through the camp, unseeing eyes falling on the bloodshed around me. My vision blurred, the scene merging into shadows, shouts and orders sounding mute and far away. I don't know how long I wandered, staring vacantly into space. Seconds, minutes perhaps. I shook my head. The forest and camp swam back into sharp focus. One of the shadows was suddenly very real. A figure clothed in an elegant blue jacket struggled towards me from out of the forest, his tall frame supporting a survivor from the crash. I walked towards them on unsteady feet. Surely I was hallucinating, seeing phantoms of the past walking in the present. And then he was standing before me. The same careworn face, the same piercing eyes. He held my gaze as one of my guards sprinted over to help one of the lucky survivors to get medical attention. The man held out a hand. King Peladon, my dear fellow, smiled the doctor. It was dusk when I returned to the Citadel. The survivors had been tended to and the dead interred as Martian custom dictated. The doctor walked next to me, saying nothing. I kept stealing glances at him, this man who had come and gone like the ghost of Agador during our planet's greatest time of need. Yet here he was, this almost mythical figure to my people. Alpha Centauri was delighted to see the Doctor, its body flushing a rainbow of colour as they shared a happy reunion, the Doctor pumping each of the hexapods' many hands enthusiastically. Varnak stood off warily to the side, talking to a Martian lord named Axlar, one of the survivors of the downed ship and, by all accounts, an old friend. The Doctor beamed round the throne room like he'd never been away. Would anybody like to tell me what's been going on? Ah... He said, nodding, after we had told him of recent events. We're at that delightful period in history, are we? The Martian Civil War. Delightful. We barely escaped New Mars with our lives. We turned to face Axlar as he addressed the throne room, even as Varnak motioned for him to stop. Grand Marshal Raxlier has declared martial law across the planet. Any resistance to the new regime has been crushed, and routine executions are taking place every day. I fear we will be the last vessel to escape. Border patrols have doubled, and a new military elite is being established. The concept of Martian peace no longer exists. And you talk of our suffering with such levity. You dishonor our people. Before I could reply, Varnak stepped forward to intercede. Your Majesty, please forgive Axlar. Our kin have been allies in the Martian court for generations, and now we find ourselves cast out, our estates razed to the ground while an usurper sits on the throne. We live in dark times. Dark times indeed, I agreed. You are most welcome here, Lord Axlar. I pray you consider Peladon your home, at least until the troubles are at an end. Still visibly angry, Axlar made the effort to bow stiffly in acknowledgement. 
Beside him, a smile flickered on Varnak's old, scaled face, a show of pride for the display of control from his young comrade. The doctor rubbed the back of his neck. Well, it's been marvellous catching up with you all, but I was just passing. I really should be on my way. He made quickly for the ornate doors, but Centauri bobbed forward, blocking his way. It would be unfortunate if you left before we had a chance to talk, Doctor. It squeaked. Indeed, I said. My Chancellor Autron is indisposed on another continent. My desire to help the Martian refugees had not been well received in some quarters of our world, and Autron is negotiating with Pell separatists who believe that our membership of the Federation is not in the planet's best interests. I, too, would appreciate your counsel once again, Doctor, as you counseled me before. The doctor glanced quickly at both of us and then longingly at the doors. He looked trapped. Then his face softened and he smiled warmly at me. Of course, old chap. I'd be delighted. Then it is settled, shrilled Centauri, colouring a delighted green. As the group filed out of the throne room to their quarters, I held the doctor back. There was a question I'd been eager to ask since his arrival. Doctor... Do you have news of Princess Jo of Tardis? I hope she might still be travelling with you. The doctor looked at me and I saw that clear gaze cloud just for a moment. I knew then there was a sorrow weighing heavy on his heart. No. No, I'm afraid not. Jo has um, moved on. He smiled sadly and then turned and strode from the throne room. I can hear you. Walk towards my voice. I can help. Where are you? I can help. I I awoke from a fitful sleep to find the doctor standing over me, a flickering torch held high above his head. Doctor, what is it? His eyes were dark from the shadows cast by the torch. You'd better come. Your Majesty. I looked down at the body which lay sprawled across the floor of the quarters I had insisted Varnak take in the citadel. Beside me, Centauri, who had also been awoken by the doctor, stood quivering in horror. What has happened here? I asked, transfixed on the sword embedded in Varnak's chest. The doctor stood, hands clasped behind his back. Murder. Cold-blooded murder. He knelt and studied the jeweled hilt of the sabre, then glanced at my guard captain who stood alert across the room. I saw exactly what he saw, an identical sword sheathed on the captain's belt. And with a pearl saber, no less. I paced back and forth, rage welling up inside me. But why? I shouted, hands balled into fists. Centauri shrank back even further. Why? There are a great many possibilities, Your Majesty. The doctor never took his eyes off the unseeing body of Varnak. My friend. Tensions run high. Your people are nervous. There are newcomers in your midst. Threats of reprisals from a new Martian regime. Idle speculation, Doctor. I want answers. I want whoever did this. We should launch an investigation immediately, shrilled Centauri. I shall conduct it. Centauri sensed our surprise. Its single watery eye blinked once. As the senior Federation representative on Peladon, the responsibility is mine, and mine alone. We will find whoever did this, Your Majesty, the Doctor reassured me. I must inform the Federation of the situation here, twittered Centauri. This room must be sealed off. My guard captain is at your disposal. I nodded at the captain who bowed, then left the room in the wake of Centauri. The room was suddenly icy cold and the wind seemed to howl louder outside the protection of the citadel. I shivered, pulled my heavy robes tighter and joined the doctor. He was staring absently into the darkness outside the window, hands in pockets. 
Why, Doctor? Varnak was a good man. He was my friend. Why indeed, mused the Doctor. Why now? We stood in silence for a few moments. The Doctor's brow furrowed, and he leant forward, placing his hands on the stone sill. He frowned. How curious! What do you see? I asked, peering out into the night. He pointed. A light. Uh, there it is again, from that high tower. I looked to where the doctor pointed and shrugged. I see nothing, as if shutters had been opened closed very quickly. Servants' quarters, I suggested. Hmm, perhaps. A little out of the way for servants' quarters, I would think. Well, it's gone now. There was an awkward moment of silence punctuated by the howl of the wind. Doctor, I said softly, I would like to remain here with Varnak until dawn. It is the least I can do to honour him. The doctor looked suddenly embarrassed. Of course, I... Uh, he made his way to the door. I shall be with Centauri if you require anything. He bowed low and left. I waited for the door to close before looking out of the window, out over the dark ramparts and towers of the citadel. Pinpricks of orange firelight marked the location of the refugee camp far below, but I was not looking there. You will learn there are times when a monarch must deflect the truth. I had lied to the doctor. I had seen the light. I knew which tower it came from. A cold, primal dread pierced my heart. The following morning, I knew what I must do. I climbed the many steps to the highest tower in the citadel. The route to get there was known to very few, passed down from my father Kellyan to me and from his father before him. The tower could only be reached through a labyrinth of secret passages and hidden stairways. And so it was, I found myself standing at the summit. Before me stood an imposing circle of burnished bronze double doors set into heavy stone. I bowed my head respectfully to the seal of Agador that was set like a bright jewel in the center of the circle. Impressive, aren't they? I jumped at the voice and turned to see the doctor leaning casually against the wall, arms folded. Doctor, how did you... When you have a nose like this, it's wise to follow it sometimes. That light in the tower... This tower intrigued me, so I went for an early morning stroll. Those doors are certainly impressive. I turned back to the ancient doorway. They are centuries old, Doctor, older than my own dynasty, and remarkably ornate for servants' quarters, he commented, a playful smile on his lips. I sighed, allowing myself to relax in his company. I'm sorry I lied to you, Doctor. Of course I knew the location of this tower, but when you said you had seen a light... Yes, the Doctor prompted, intrigued. As you are aware, Doctor, Peladon has struggled to free itself from the superstitions of the past. Last night I found myself face to face with one of our oldest legends. And I told the Doctor the legend of the prisoner of Peladon, of an ancient spirit kept imprisoned behind those ageless doors and guarded by Agador himself. A story that had been told to me by my grandfather as I sat on his knee. How as long as the prisoner was kept under lock and key, Peladon would be safe. But if he were released, the kingdom would fall. So when you said a light had blazed in the prisoner's tower, my heart became heavy, I continued. I know it's just a myth, but... As dear Varnak said, these are dark times. I allowed myself a wry chuckle. I thought a prayer to Agador wouldn't hurt. So I found myself here. With a smile that told me not to be embarrassed, the doctor gestured towards the doors. There were locks that sat at four corners around the door in a perfect square. They, too, were a representation of Agador, mouth open with just enough room to slide a hand within. I can never resist a locked door, 
the doctor admitted. But sometimes the oldest and simplest of locking mechanisms can foil even the sonic screwdriver. I hope you don't mind my curiosity. Not at all, doctor, I replied. You wouldn't have been able to open them anyway. No one has for centuries. Four locks that must be opened simultaneously by at least two people. The keys are hidden in the royal collection of relics. Even I wouldn't know where to find them. Then perhaps, the doctor said softly, we should leave the past locked away and return to the present. The present was waiting for us in the throne room in the furious form of Lord Axlar, flanked by a hulking giant of a Martian, a soldier by the name of Slurn. At first, Alpha Centauri tried to calm him by insisting that a full investigation into the events of the previous night was underway. I regarded the Martian from my usual position on the throne. Lord Varnak's murder was just the beginning, Your Majesty. What do you mean? Even as we mourned the loss of our spokesman, your agents were sweeping through the camp, shedding more blood, Martian blood. My agents? What are you accusing me of? Murder. The Martians stalked determinedly across the throne room, all eyes on him. I saw the doctor's body tense, and my own hands whitened where they gripped the arms of the throne. Axlar placed a booted foot on the first step, a pincer reaching into a pouch of dark green cloth that hung from his belt. He pulled an object from the pouch and took a further step towards me. There was a flash of metal. Alpha Centauri let out a shriek of terror as the Martian towered above me, arm raised high. No, Axlar! I heard the doctor shout, but he could have been a thousand miles away. I was only aware of Axlar glaring down at me with burning red eyes, a dagger clutched in his raised pincer. His bloodless lips curled back, blackened teeth bared in disgust as he raised the dagger higher. Murderer! His bloodless lips curled back, blackened teeth bared in disgust as he raised the dagger higher. Murderer! At my side, I sensed Grun's taut body ready to strike, but I raised a hand, holding him back. I met Axlar's gaze firmly, and our eyes locked for a split second. Behind the Martian, I could see the Doctor and Centauri frozen as in tableau. And then, Axlar turned away, throwing the dagger onto the floor where it clattered at the Doctor's feet. I accuse you of murder. This morning I woke to discover that a mother had been murdered, killed while protecting her child from violent attack, slain by Pell separatists. And what evidence do you have, Lord Axlar? The doctor asked. Look before you, doctor. A Pell dagger that I pulled from between her shoulders. What more? Proof do I need? I sat, my head spinning, looking at the blade that was caked in dark green liquid. It was undeniably a Pell weapon. Could this be true? The last report from Ortron had suggested the Separatists were beginning to accept the presence of the refugees on our world. Is this how His Majesty treats those he claims to protect? By slaughtering us in our beds and kidnapping our children. Kidnapping? Trilled Alpha Centauri, arms flailing in dismay. Even as I comforted one family, I received news that three other families had woken this morning to find their daughters taken from their beds. The doctor rubbed his neck. Daughters, you say? I demand justice, Your Majesty. I demand honor. I looked at the doctor pleadingly. What do you advise, Doctor? 
I asked. His answer was swift and sure. If the refugees are baying for blood, you could find yourself with an intergalactic incident on your hands. I suggest that you tour the camp, calm their fears, and show that you take these tragic events seriously. An appalling idea, blurted Centauri. The king would be putting himself in grave danger. No, I announced, rising to my feet. The doctor speaks wisely. Lord Axlar, would you do me the honor of accompanying me to the home of the grieving family? I wish to pay my respects. A sheen of bitter sleet fell across the camp as we made our way through the maze of tents. My honor guard remained in the citadel, but Gron strode near me. Even though I had tried my best, the conditions these people were living in were dreadful. Suspicious eyes followed our every move. The atmosphere in the dead woman's home was even worse. How could I expect it to be otherwise? I attempted to assure the family we would do everything in our power to bring the killer to justice and convince Axlar that the Royal Guard would begin a search for the missing girls. She will be found alive, I assured them. Even to my ears, my words sounded hollow. The doctor was doing nothing to help. Without even offering his condolences, the man started rooting around the tent, running his finger across the canvas opening, even tasting a thread he'd plucked from the fabric. It was only when the tent fell silent he realised that we were all staring at him. I'm so sorry, he said, finally showing a little compassion in that strange, old, yet young face. Tell me, is it possible to examine the body of the poor woman to determine the cause of death? You insult us, Doctor. I have told you the cause of death. A pell dagger. Amazingly, the doctor seemed unapologetic. That's what you told us, Lord Axel. You think I lie? Her family, these people standing before you, have yet to administer the death rites. The woman's body isn't evidence for them, Doctor. It is a gaping wound in their lives. I tried to calm Axlar, or at least move the conversation out of the tent. But the Martian Lord was adamant. This family lost their own children in the Revolution, Doctor. They watched them executed before their eyes as punishment for not pledging allegiance to the Grand Marshal. And yet, even as they grieved, they took in an orphaned girl here in the camp and treated her like their own. I mean no disrespect, Lord Axlar, the doctor cut in. But if we cannot examine the body, may we at least ask the child what happened? You may not. She is in shock. She has now lost two mothers in her short life. This was too much to bear. We had come here on the doctor's suggestion as a gesture of goodwill. A gesture he now put in jeopardy. I had to intervene. Lord Axlar, I'm sure the doctor doesn't mean to offend, but is keen, as am I, to discover the truth behind this senseless act. We know the truth, Your Majesty. The truth is obvious. Axlar's words played in my head as we boarded the carriages for the return journey to the Citadel. But even as our procession began to climb the path that would take us up Mount Megeshra, my blood ran cold. There, in the prisoner's tower high above us, a light burned bright under the gloom of the oncoming storm. We returned to find Alpha Centauri waiting for us in the throne room. Your Majesty! It reported, twitching in excitement. I have discovered that ceremonial daggers and swords have been stolen from the Royal Armory. It must have been these missing weapons that were used by the murderers. Shh! ruse, council member, but a ruse nonetheless. Whatever do you mean, old chap? Asked the doctor, fixing the Martian Lord with an unwavering stare. A convenient discovery of stolen weapons, of course, Doctor. A smokescreen to divert us from the fact that my fellow refugees were slain by Pell Hand. An interesting theory, Lord Axlar, the Doctor replied. But you know as well as I that it wasn't a dagger that killed that poor woman. Explain. The Doctor beamed. With pleasure. 
While His Majesty was talking with that unfortunate family, I took the opportunity to examine the fabric of the tent. I could not stand by and let the doctor continue to make a dreadful situation worse. Doctor, I do not see the relevance of this conversation. You advise me to show compassion and then you display none yourself. I invited you here to counsel me for the sake of your experience and our friendship, and yet you do not seem to understand the gravity of this situation. My dear Peladon, the doctor replied, his face a picture of sincerity, I am fully aware of the gravity of the situation, which is exactly why I investigated the canvas and why I need to examine the body. You see, the very weft of the material used to make the tent had been disrupted by sonic fire. The throne room fell silent as his words sank in. My eyes turned to Axlar, who stared defiantly at the doctor. Sonic fire, I repeated. But all sonic weaponry has been surrendered by the refugees, Alpha Centauri pointed out. Disruptors are not permitted in the camp. As the king knows, as a sign of good faith, we allowed all Martian weaponry to be confiscated on your orders, your majesty. Orders that may have left us defenseless. Now, in light of these unforgivable murders, I can see why those orders were given. No, I retorted, finally letting my anger be shown. I never gave such an order. The amnesty was carried out on Varnak's suggestion as a sign of your people's desire for peace. A desire that led to his own death. Gentlemen, the doctor cut in, whether there were sonic weapons in the camp or not, the fact of the matter is a disruptor was undeniably used in that tent. I believe that poor woman was stabbed only after she had already died from the effects of a directed sonic blast. Why would someone go to such elaborate lengths? All of a sudden, the answer came to me. By using a ceremonial Pell dagger, whoever killed her made it look as if the deed was perpetrated by the separatists. Exactly. The doctor agreed. This is an outrage. Your Majesty, the doctor is insinuating that a Martian carried out this atrocity. If what he says is true and a sonic disruptor was used, who is to say that a Pell hand didn't fire it, playing into the bigotry Martian's face, even in the very heart of the Federation? You're quite right, old chap. In fact, I never said a Martian fired a gun, just that the evidence indicated a sonic weapon was used. The doctor was very still now fixing Axlar with a piercing gaze. As he said, every Martian on Peladon has surrendered their weaponry, so it couldn't possibly be one of your kind, could it? For a moment, Axlar paused. Was the doctor deliberately trying to confuse him? I don't mind admitting I was feeling rather bewildered myself. Doctor, you are talking in riddles, I interjected. The doctor bowed his head as a show of deference before addressing me. Your Majesty, I apologize. I was hoping that Axlar would reveal his part in all of this, but it seems that he will not do us that honor. What do you know of honor? I know the Ice Warriors of old, the doctor said. I know that Varnak died a dishonorable death. Varnak was murdered in his bed. Are you now telling me his sheets showed evidence of sonic fire, doctor? No, not at all, the doctor replied. But he wasn't murdered in his bed. He was by the door of his quarters. Ever since we discovered his body, I've been puzzled. Varnak was an old man, one of the oldest Martians I have ever met. But elderly or not, he was still an ice lord. Were we supposed to simply accept that a being so skilled in the ways of conflict could be struck down by a pell? With respect, Your Majesty, the citizens of Peladon are not warriors. Even the most skilled swordsman on the planet would have been no match for Varnak. No, a stranger wouldn't have been able to run Varnak through. But a friend would have, I completed. Realization dawning. Not just a friend, Your Majesty, continued the doctor, but a family member. A cousin. Suggesting that I killed Varnak. The doctor nodded. Yes, Lord Axlar, that is exactly what I'm suggesting. That you went to him last night and he welcomed you with open arms. You, in turn, welcomed him 
with the stolen Pell Sabre. You betrayed him, and a nobleman died at the hands of a coward. I hardly saw Axlar move. In one fluid movement, he leapt forward with a roar of anger, and before I knew what was happening, his claw was clamped round the doctor's throat, squeezing tight. The doctor gagged, his face flushing purple, hands grappling with the Martian's armour. I could not stand by and watch my friend throttle before me and tried to break Axlar's grip. I was ill-prepared for the Martian Lord's strength. He swatted me away easily and I crashed headfirst into the throne. The room span and I was too stunned to stop Grun flying into action, his sabre slicing through the air, ready to defend my honour, ready to cut Axlar in two. Instantly the Martian released the doctor and raised his arm to deflect Grun's blow. Sparks flew as Pellblade met Martian armour, but Grun was not phased. He had been trained well and he thudded a leather-clad knee into Axlar's midriff, knocking him back enough to swing his sabre once again. All at once, the very air around my champion boiled and twisted. I stared in horror as Grun's powerful body crumpled to the stone slabs of the throne room floor. There in the doorway was Slurn, his arm outstretched. In his hand was a sonic disruptor. Axlar turned on his associate. Idiot! I could have taken the savage! Slowly, carefully controlling the rage that was surging through my veins, I pushed myself up, steadying myself against the throne. In attempting to protect his lord, Slurn had revealed their treachery. Defiantly ignoring the aim of his gun, which tracked me as I walked over to where the doctor had fallen, I helped my old friend to his feet. Doctor, I said quietly, I owe you an apology. Your deductions were correct. It would appear that Axlar did kill Varna, and, I would guess, that woman in the camp. I almost wanted to be wrong, Your Majesty, replied the doctor, gingerly rubbing his bruised throat. But Axlar and his comrade are our murderers. I didn't want to believe that Axlar could have ended the life of someone who cared for him deeply. I saw the way Varnak looked at you, Axlar. He was like a proud parent. The truth was out, and Axlar was calmer now, less impassioned, in control. The matching sonic weapon that he retrieved from beneath his cape no doubt helped. You called me a coward, Doctor. I can tell you that killing Varnak was the bravest act I have ever committed. As a young warrior, I worshipped him. He was a hero to our people, a visionary. But he turned his back on his heritage when he refused to sign the pledge, dishonouring his family, our family. When he wouldn't align himself with Grand Marshal Raxley. Exactly. I did not want to end his life, but his presence here was a regrettable distraction. And a threat to your mission, the doctor added. You could convince us that you had fled New Mars, but after a while, someone who knew you so well would have seen through the charade. You are a clever man, Doctor. A worthy adversary. Of course, Varnak's death had other advantages. You could use your apparent grief to win our trust and set yourself up as the new spokesman of the camp, I said, hatred welling up inside me at that impassive face. A useful smokescreen. If you'd believed I was trying to protect the traitorous scum living like sand pigs in that camp, you would never have suspected that I... Or should I say, Slurn was behind the abductions. But then Slurn made a mistake, didn't he? The doctor asked. You never meant for that woman to die. She just got in his way. But you had a contingency, didn't you? The dagger. My, my, but you really did put a great deal of calculated forethought into your plan. I still didn't understand. If Axlar was an agent of the Republic, what was he doing on Paladon? Why go to all this trouble in a camp full of refugees he obviously didn't value? What was he searching for? When I asked, the Martian Lord just laughed. <laughs> the Doctor has all the answers. Why not question him? The Doctor's face creased in disgust. 
That poor woman died because of an act of kindness. While still grieving for her own child, she took in an orphan girl aged, oh, I would say about nine or ten. The trouble is, when Axlar and Slern arrived in that stricken ship, a stricken ship Axlar himself sabotaged, if I'm correct. Axlar acknowledged the supposition with a slow nod. So they had no way of knowing if that unfortunate child was the one they sought. You were on a hunt, weren't you? Her intelligence indicates that she is on Peladon, Doctor. No doubt being hidden by that traitorous rabble below. I had hoped that I would be able to find her by means of subterfuge. Now I must summon reinforcements. Fury surged through my body. You would risk war with the Federation. I believe the Grand Marshal would risk everything to find her, the Doctor said, and destroy her. But who is she, Doctor? Who are they searching for? I'm not the one to ask, King Peladon, but I'm afraid the person with all the answers slipped out when things got a bit nasty. I span around, looking to see who was still in the room. Alpha Centauri! Doctor, are you seriously asking me to believe that Centauri is mixed up in all this? The Delicate has been a rock throughout the entire affair. Indeed, the Doctor agreed. And I must admit I was slightly surprised when it was so keen to lead the investigation. Centauri is immensely loyal, but is it really the first person you would expect to track down a murderer? We have been deceived. Doctor, you will take me to the hexapod immediately. The doctor calmly regarded the Martian. You know I can't do that. Then I shall summon the Martian First Fleet and have this citadel raised to the ground. I shall pick her remains from the rubble of your pathetic dynasty, King Peladon. I turned on Axlar, ignoring the disruptor that was still trained on me. Things were racing out of control, and it seemed everyone knew what was happening except me. It was a constant feeling every time the doctor was near. Enough! I bellowed. Even Axlar seemed taken aback. I am tired of being treated like a mute imbecile in my own court. Doctor, who is she? The doctor never took his eyes from Axlar as he spoke. Lord Axlar believes that wherever he finds Centauri... He will find his quarry. And who is this quarry? I yelled. Who is this girl? Stop playing games, Doctor. You will tell me now. But Axlar didn't give him a chance to answer. The only one playing games is that Centaurian filth. You have a choice, Doctor. The death of thousands of bells. Or my prey. I saw a thousand thoughts flash across the doctor's eyes as he stared coldly at the Martian. And then I noticed his body sag almost imperceptibly. Was this surrender? He turned to me. Shall we go? Go? Go where? I asked incredulous. To visit the prisoner of Peladon, of course. For the second time within a day, I found myself looking at the image of Agador set into the doors to the prisoner's chambers, and once again I found myself fighting the urge to pray. Axlar stood beside me, breathing heavily in anticipation. Slern loitered a few steps behind, a slab of threatening muscle, as ever holding a sonic disruptor. The doctor, meanwhile, seemed to be enjoying himself. Not for the first time, I wondered what life he led that such tragedy and danger could be treated with levity. Wondered not for the first time why Princess Joe had left his company. At first, the locking mechanism stumped me, the doctor explained, indicating the four busts of Agador ranged round the door with a flourish like a court entertainer. Four locks that had to be opened in tandem by at least two people. He let the thought hang in the air for a moment. I hadn't considered that it might be one being with six arms that could do the job for themselves. A hexapod. Exactly. A hexapod. The doctor smiled, seemingly pleased with himself. Clever old Alpha Centauri. Cleverer than any of us have given it credit. 
It had access to the royal collection, so could have found the keys. Safe in the knowledge that Peladon had turned its back on a superstitious past, Alpha Centauri believed the majority of people would be too concerned with Martian refugees and Pell separatists, so it gambled that they wouldn't give this little tower and its legendary connotations a second thought. Are you saying, Doctor, I asked in wonder, that there is someone behind those doors? Are you saying that the prisoner of Peladon is real? The doctor nodded brightly. Very much so. It is her. King Peladon, I demand that you open the doors. Lord Axlar, seeing that no one seems to want to tell me who she is, I am as keen as you to see this situation resolved. But I do not have the power to open the doors. You mean you will not? I mean I cannot. Then we shall fetch a sonic cannon from the mines. You'll be wasting precious energy, said the doctor, who had strolled over to the doors and rapped on them sharply. He pressed an ear against the metal. The bronze is only a sheen. The doors themselves are constructed from reinforced tricilicate, able to withstand the assault of a sonic cannon. No, there's only one way we can get through these doors. Axlar brought his own weapon to bear on the doctor. I pleaded with them that this wasn't necessary, but they had the closed minds of military men. You will open the doors now, doctor. You know the price of non-cooperation. I rather suspect I do. The doctor glanced at me. Have faith, he said. And with that, he brought back his fist and slammed it against the door three times. It's all right, princess, he shouted through the doors. You can come out now. Behind the doctor, the face of Agador set into the door rotated. Then with a thud, the jaws of the royal protector opened as the locking mechanism released. I watched with wide, fearful eyes as the grand doors creaked open to reveal the shaking figure of Alpha Centauri. Council member, I began, still astounded that the hexapod would be involved in such subterfuge. What is the meaning of this? What have you been concealing behind these doors? Where is she, Centauri? Where is the princess? This was too much to take. I exploded in anger. Princess! Which princess do you refer to? I demand that you reveal her identity and you reveal it now. I am so sorry, Your Majesty. Centauri shrilled. I did not mean to mislead you, but I thought it was best to keep you in ignorance. I feared you would be compromised. I meant no harm. But I do. Deliver her to me, or I shall shoot you down where you stand. No more! I thundered at Axla. I am tired of being lied to in my own citadel. Centauri, you will reveal this princess immediately, or I will have you arrested. Centauri looked as if it was going to shake itself to pieces, that solitary, lustrous eye bulging as it stared down the sights of the two sonic weapons. There's no need for that, Your Majesty, the Doctor said, moving forward and nimbly stepping around Alpha Centauri. Besides, you'd need a lot of manacles for that. He looked into the room beyond. Come on, my dear. Time to show yourself. He held out his palm, and a small, slender, emerald hand took it gently. Your Majesty, the Doctor said gently. May I introduce Princess Lixgar of New Mars, daughter of the late King and true heir to the throne. She was just a girl, no more than nine years old, so fragile in her long flowing jade dress. The light of the torches flickered against the dark green scales that crowned her bald head, while a pair of sad but strong eyes peered out from beneath delicate, ridged eyebrows. At last, you are mine, princess. No, Axlar, she is just a child. She is an enemy of the state, the last member of the bloated, ineffectual line that threw away the might of the Martian Empire and transformed us into a race of blundering policemen, puppets of the Galactic Federation. That line ends today. At the exact moment that Axlar began to squeeze the trigger of his disruptor, 
the doctor sprang into action, dropping into a fighting stance, and with a sharp cry, he slammed an open palm hand into the Martian Lord's armoured chest. The force of the blow sent him staggering back. His arm flailing out, Axlar's deadly beam found another target. Slurn let out a strangled cry as he was enveloped in the disruptor blast before toppling backwards, stumbling on the top step and crashing down the stairwell. Axlar's own wail of grief was enough to break the stupor that had befallen me. Even as he swatted the doctor aside and took aim once again at the princess, who was being shielded by a shrieking Alpha Centauri, I knew that I had to act. I threw myself forward, slamming into Axlar. To this day, my recollection of events is confused, my memory clouded by the primal rage that suddenly consumed me. One moment I was grappling with the Martian, clinging onto him, feeling his rancid breath on my face, wincing with every blow from his diamond-heart pincers, and the next, he was stumbling back, toppling from the window. I tried to grab hold of him as he fell. At least, I like to think I did. The terrible, rasping scream as he fell from the turret haunts me every night, as does the sickening crunch that silenced him as he slammed against the stone outcropping below to continue his descent down the mountain. I stood, staring out of the window into the gloom, breathing hard. I felt a hand on my shoulder. It was an accident, Your Majesty, said the doctor. There was nothing you could have done, old friend. Shrugging his hand off in anger, I wheeled on him. An accident? I bellowed, my temper finally boiling over in a furious rage. Nothing I could have done? Do you you think I don't know that? Do you think for a minute that I am blaming myself for what has just happened? No, I am not to blame, old friend. You are. The doctor looked puzzled. I am? You have treated this affair as a game, doctor. I saw how you reveled in your own intelligence in the throne room. You couldn't just explain yourself. That would have been too easy. Instead, you had to play, to amaze us with your deductions. You are no better than Axlar. And you dare pity me over a death that could have been avoided. Destruction hangs over you like a broiling cloud, Doctor. And you seem to revel living in its shadow. At least before you had someone to keep you in check. Perhaps that is why you look so upset when I asked after Joe. Perhaps you realise that you need someone like her with, with heart to keep you from going too far. You treat me like a child in my own court and you still presume to call me friend. I breathed deeply, trying to shackle my boiling temper, fists clenching and unclenching. I realize you are acting with honorable intentions, I continued, my voice calmer, to protect Pell citizens. But why did you not bring me into your confidence? Did you not trust me? The doctor said nothing. He just stood and let me rant. His face was stony, unmoving. Only his eyes betrayed any emotion, brief flashes across those ageless deep pools. But what was I seeing? Anger, pain, compassion. To this day, I still do not know. The same could not be said for Alpha Centauri, who blustered around me, flooding me with apologies, taking all the blame and more. Its betrayal had cut me deepest. Why, Centauri? I asked, my frustration now focused solely on the Federation Council member. I trusted you. Even let you talk me into housing the refugee camp on Peladon, risking the disapproval of my own people by my actions. Do you know how many Pels have been injured in the separatist riots that Ortron is trying to quash? Why did you not tell me you were harbouring the princess here? Did you think the same as the doctor, that I'm nothing more than a puppet ruler to be used at the whims of the Federation? Your Majesty! It stuttered giant eyelid fluttering madly as it flushed a shade of blue. I wanted to tell you, but the Federation Council thought it best to conceal the truth. Our old friend Lord Islia had managed to flee New Mars with the princess. Peladon appeared to offer the perfect hiding place. We knew the Grand Marshal was searching for her, and it was only a temporary solution until we could guarantee her safe passage back to Galactic Federation headquarters on Io. I stared at Centauri, still unable to comprehend this 
Betrayal. They never thought he'd look for her here, Your Majesty, the doctor said, moving over to the child and placing a caring arm around her narrow shoulders. In turn, the princess allowed her regal composure to slip slightly as she nuzzled into his side, her eyes never leaving the window, as if she expected Axlar to climb through at any second, hissing revenge. I stood there, mute, my silent screaming of my anger before turning on my heels and marching away from the prisoner's tower. I returned to the refugee camp the following day. The atmosphere had transformed. Despite our best intentions, rumours of the princess's presence on Peladon had run wild, and the spirits of the displaced Martians were lighter, full of hope. If a member of their beloved royal family had survived the coup, then there was a chance, albeit a slim one, that power could be wrestled back from the Grand Marshal. But my thoughts were not full of the machinations of galactic powers. No, my own heart was full of joy as I personally returned the last of the girls that Axlar had kidnapped to the loving arms of her family. They'd all been found, scared but unharmed, by the captain of my guard late last night in Axlar's own quarters. I have never received a bear hug from a Martian before, and my ribs hope that I never do again. But such was their gratitude. <laughs> you should have seen the faces of my guard. As I watched the family return to their home, there was a cough behind me, and I turned to find Alpha Centauri and the Doctor standing side by side. The Doctor smiled uncertainly. Alpha Centauri has been in touch with the authorities on Io. A Federation peacekeeping force led by Islia has been dispatched to escort Princess Lixgar to a safe zone. There she will remain until such time as she can be returned to her rightful place on New Mars. I nodded, glad to hear the news, even as Alpha Centauri broke into another babbled flood of apologies, skin shifting from navy blue to brilliant cyan. Your Majesty, on behalf of the Council, and also on behalf of myself, I would like to say again how dreadfully sorry we are to have deceived you and put in question your generosity in hosting this camp. I have requested immediate transfer to other duties and will leave your court immediately. I can only thank you for making me so welcome in your kingdom for so many... I raised a hand desperate to cut the hexapod off before it burst a blood vessel. That will be unnecessary, Council Member... Soon, I hope, the need for this camp will have passed and we will need someone with your talents to arrange safe passage of our Martian guests back to their homeland. You are always welcome on Peladon. Indeed, if we are to continue our relationship with the Federation Council, we will need a full ambassador. Alpha Centauri burbled gratitude as I stepped forward, dropping my voice ever so slightly so that only it, I and the Doctor could hear. But know this, Centauri. From this day on, there must be complete trust between us. No more secrets, no more lies. Peladon will remain loyal to the Federation as long as the Federation remains loyal to Peladon. Have I made myself clear? Centauri nodded so furiously that for a second I feared its head would come loose. I found myself laughing despite myself. <laughs> what say you, Doctor? Harsh words were said but I have no desire for our association to end. I turned towards my old friend. Will you dine with me? This... But the doctor was gone. Seconds later, I heard a strange sound on the wind, a bone-jarring mechanical grinding noise filling the air. And from that day... I always hoped my path would cross once again with that of the Doctor. I regret some of the things I said, but I do hope that he found another to share his travels. I believe he is a man who needs company, even if he does not crave it. And look at you, sleeping the sleep of babes. Some of what you heard tonight may have been terrible. Frightening, even. But I hope to prepare you for the trials ahead. 
I pray that when your time comes, you too will remember that while you are a member of the Federation, your duty first and foremost is always with your people. The choices will be difficult, the times may be hard, but I know you will always rule wisely. Of course you will. You have your mother's heart. May Agador protect you through the night, my darling little Thalera.